0: All right, Hello, everybody. My name is uh, Jim Barton, and I'm here with...
1: Reverend Abigail Conley.
0: And this is Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. Uh, for today's episode, we're going to talk about one of the main figures in the Bible, which is Moses. And with that, I'm going to let Abby relate the story of Moses to you in two minutes.
1: All right. So the story of Moses begins with a threat from the Pharaoh. Um, they've the hebrews have lived in egypt for a few generations there's a new pharaoh who doesn't remember joseph who was the great person who got them there and got them in pharaoh's favor so he enslaves the hebrews and then he looks at them landing in the living in the land of goshen and says wow there's too many of them so we should kill their children as they're being born and there are two midwives shifram who deliver the babies and don't kill them and when the Pharaoh asks them why, they're like, oh, they don't need midwives. They're There's stronger crazy than you are. Right, they're the Hebrew ladies. Right. They're strong. And
0: the Hebrew ladies, they labor quickly.
1: Right. And so <laughs> we don't even get there. And then um, Moses is saved by his mother putting him um, in a basket in the bulrushes. The Pharaoh's daughter finds him there, and he goes and lives um, at the Pharaoh's palace. When he. Um, Grows up, he realizes, oh, you know, I was one of the slaves. He kills one of the pharaoh's uh, army. Yeah, one of the overseers in the army. And buries him. And when he figures out that someone saw him, he flees to the land of Midian. He lives there a long time there. He gets married. All is good. And then he um, is out in the desert and he sees a bush that is burning, that is not consumed. And a voice comes and says, take off your shoes, you are standing on holy ground. So it turns out it's God, revealing God's name as Yahweh in that burning bush. Um, the weird thing that means I am who I am or I will be what I will be and becomes kind of this, I mean, it becomes the ineffable name, the thing you can't say or speak for years to come, but revealed to Moses. So he goes back to Egypt to lead the people out and the Pharaoh, of course, doesn't want to get, let go of his slaves. So God has to visit ten different plagues on Pharaoh and his house. And they're not pleasant. You know, the river turns to blood, Nile, the river Nile that runs through the city. Um, there are frogs, there's hail, and then it ends with the death of the firstborn son. And that is the point at which they say, okay, you can leave Egypt. And, um so they get ready they leave egypt god parts the red sea so that they can walk through on dry ground um, through moses who holds his staff out over so that there's dry ground for the people to walk on the people leave in the middle of this pharaoh changes his mind follows with his army and goes after the people after all the people cross then moses lowers his staff the waters come back killing pharaoh and his army and the people go on their way to the promised land Moses didn't get, doesn't get to go to the Promised Land. In between, he does get the law given to him on Mount Sinai before he dies 40 years after leaving Egypt.
0: So that's a good uh, Cliff Notes version of the story of Moses. Thank you, Abby. Good work. And so one of the one of the things I just want to point out, we want to talk about right away, is whether Moses is a historical figure or whether Moses is a, a figure of fiction, of uh, myth, um, and the cards on the table, Moses is not a historical figure. Moses
1: is not remotely a historical figure. Right. Um, the most interesting things about Moses are like, yeah, his name is not even Hebrew. And the time we're talking about, like, no, there's nothing clear. There are exactly two um, or one actual solid possibility for even mentioning the Hebrews in Egypt. And in a piece of something dug up somewhere, there are the words Hapiru, which some people make a case actually means Hebrew, as the people. That's the only thing. And the other problem is if you go through the Red Sea, this is not a mighty sea to separate and cross. It is um, possibly even the Sea of Reeds that you could literally wade across and not get your knees wet. Yeah. So there's the other historical problem. So Moses was not a historical figure that doesn't change the fact that he is an important religious figure.
0: Right. And in fact, I think that, it, I would even go so far as to say that it liberates us to some degree mm-hmm. because we don't need to ask questions about the details about who Moses was and what would how this person had been treated. And even, I think that's, I think actually Red Sea and Reed Sea is a mistranslation, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've actually seen it said explicitly that the story is Red Sea, is not is in fact not the Red Sea. That's like just a mistranslation. But I mean, beyond, you know, really all we can need to be concerned about is accurately translating the story, finding what does this story mean, because it, it is one of these things where it has tremendous impact on our society and has tremendous impact on us. So with that, what do we draw from this story as a modern people that are looking back as the people of God have recorded this and this is, this is their story, what can we learn from
1: that? So I think the hardest thing about this story is the violence, and anytime I read this story with people who have never heard it, that is what they are totally shocked by. How could God kill the Pharaoh and his army? How could um, God kill the firstborn children of Egypt? And that's kind of the things that shock. But if you go back, the story begins with, we're going to kill all the infants. We're going to kill out a people, or at least lessen than a people, by just killing all the infants for a couple of years. And by doing that, we'll eliminate the problem. And so you have this story that is violence upon violence upon violence. And I think for us, that at least is a reality that is named in this story. Part of the horrific, part of the value of the story is we look at it as a thing that's other. And we say, this is horrific. How can they keep doing these things to each other and it never stops? Which we don't do in the news cycle because we're used to it. And Mm -hmm. guess what? We see the same level of violence creates more violence creates more violence, and there hasn't been a clear break. And Maybe so we have to we have
0: to ask ourselves what do we do with this, right? It's just it's important just to ask that question. What do we do with the violence? Yeah, I think it's also this story is an important story for the oppressed, and for the person for the person who is downtrodden by the society in general.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know that's not necessarily me. It's not necessarily you. But I think that when you talk about um, a totally disempowered people um, we have people in the united states that feel that way mm-hmm. that feel entirely marginalized and um, well what was this you had a statistic about um, infant mortality that i thought was pretty yeah it compelling. was
1: just an article that was out and what they realized as we studied as people are studying infant mortality a woman a black woman with a postgraduate degree has a higher likelihood of losing a baby during childbirth than a white woman with a high school diploma because we created a society where we don't trust black women. We don't empower them to say you're in charge of your health care. You can ask questions in these ways. So the mortality rate is roughly triple for black women versus white women. Another
0: thing, another statistic that that we can look at is, if you look at the incarceration rate for black men, Mm -hmm. in the United States we have a tremendous mass incarceration problem where we incarcerate um, uh, nearly um, uh, a half a percent in the United States, actually over half a percent, Mm -hmm. 0.6 percent of all Americans, of everyone living in the United States of America is in jail. Mm -hmm. That's more than in Russia, it's more than in North Korea, it's more than in China, Um, in Arizona It's .9. It's almost one out of 100 people. One out of 100 people in Arizona
1: are
0: in jail. And for black men in the United States, it's 4.3%. Almost one in 20. Mm -hmm. So if you are in those marginalized groups, then this story of a wicked overlord Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that the the Savior delivers you from the bondage, Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a compelling narrative about the power of God Mm -hmm. that I think doesn't necessarily hit our ears in the same way and I think frankly it loops back to the violence to some degree I think we should legitimately deal with the violence in the story for sure but I think also in my opinion I think you come at it I, when I read you know you read Revelation where it's talking about how you know these like all these like violence and stuff in Revelation I think if you're an oppressed marginalized minority you read that violence differently than if you're an American who frankly we could do those things when, at the other end of the story of Exodus they go into the promised land right
1: mm-hmm.
0: and <laughs> There's more like crazy violence. Well, we in the United States right now could do the violence that is described, that is fantasized about. It's really fan, it's like sort of uh, violence porn or whatever, yeah. you know. It's We could do that. We have the weapons that the capable to do that. The last little comment that I wanted to make before we wrap up is that I do think there is something interesting in here about for people of privilege. Because I think if you read Moses' story, in the narrative, again, we don't have to we don't have to delve into whether this is a, a historical event, but in the narrative, Moses is a person of privilege, mm-hmm. and he tries to halfway respond to his privilege by killing the overseer, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't do it, right? Because in fact, the oppressed are the one who say, "Aren't you the guy who killed the overseer?" Right? Right? So it's actually the people, his Hebrew friends, are the ones, his his brothers, who are the ones who say, "Hey," because he doesn't fully give up his privilege, right? He goes away only when he's ready to fully give up his privilege does he have access to his destiny to become a leader of God. And so this is, I think, a very, for privileged people, I think the Moses narrative provides a whole new, very interesting idea about how to fully live into your destiny and how to free yourself of what in fact is um, a burden of privilege. So, I don't know. I think this story is a rich story that has lots of ways to look at it.
1: And regardless, it has become such a part of our culture here in United States, Western culture world, we have to deal with it, and we have to keep talking about it, including the fact, I think, that naming the violence as horrific.
0: Yes. All right. Well, these are topics that we'll continue to wrestle with, and I thank you for uh, joining us for this episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. Until next time, cheers.